we're going to say it early. If I was a Spurs fan, I'd be very, very excited. I'm not saying that we as fans expect that, but I think Conte himself will be going into a season with that mentality of going to win. I'm going to go A-star. I think Spurs have had the best window out of anyone. I don't even think it's, I don't even think it's close. He's a player that's won it all over Europe. He's, a, he's won the Bundesliga multiple times. He's obviously won Syria. He's won the Champions League. He scored in a World Cup final. And it's like, that's the sort of mentality that you need. Spurs will win something. Third in a cup would be a really good season for Tottenham. Hello, welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com. We've previewed Liverpool already and now it's time for Tottenham Hotspur with Manchester City to come at the end of the week. And then, of course, we've got Chelsea, Arsenal and Manchester United being covered before the end of July. Josh is with me, as always, from Who Scored, and I'm delighted to welcome Ricky, who's creator and host of The Last Word on Spurs. Ricky, I'm going to say it early. If I was a Spurs fan, I'd be very, very excited. Yeah, good time to say it now in July rather than September or October. So, uh, yeah, start as we mean to go on. Been a really good summer so far. Yeah, and Josh, obviously, as we like to remind everyone every week, you are a Manchester United fan, kind of playing catch-up to all these teams, and Spurs were already better than Manchester United, and they've done some good business. Yeah, we previewed um, Liverpool, who obviously have done all their business, and now we're previewing Tottenham, who have pretty much done all their business, and Manchester United are still just trying to get any signing over the line as they can. But yeah, a bit demoralising. So we'll start like we did last week with the transfer window assessment grade. Big, big, big signing, Ricky, is Richarlison from Everton. Had a great end of the season for Everton. was a massive part of them staying up. An, an unbelievable player. Worked so, so hard. Strikes me as a player who's just going to suit an Antonio Conte team down to the ground. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think from my perspective, Spurs have found it always very hard to try and find an alternative striker that could play as that kind of back up to Harry Kane or alongside Harry Kane. And in Richardson, they've got somebody that can not only become an alternative as a striker, but also cover those front three positions. So, you know, he's got the opportunity there to, if Son is injured, Kulisewski's injured, Kane is missing, uh, he's got the variation and ability to, be able to cover all those front three. You add into that the fact that he has got a bit of devil to his game, which Antonio Conte loves. And also the fact that he's Premier League proven, he's always score goals. Yes, it's not been a significantly higher ratio amount of goals, but I think you put him with Charlton to a better team. Um, hopefully you'll see his output also improve as well. So really pleased by the signing. I think the fee itself, you know, around the 50 million mark tells you just the fact that Spurs aren't scared to already strengthen in an area of significant depth, which I think is unusual for Tottenham. They've always tried to find a backup to Harry Kane and Vincent Janssen um, a Fernando Lorente. This is almost a different kind of model they're going for. Somebody that is used to playing week in, week out. That's going to fit into playing a bit more of a rotation system by the fact the club are in the Champions League and the fact that obviously we've got a lot of domestic competitions that Spurs will hopefully go very far in. So, um, no, I think I say very pleased with the signing and fingers crossed he's got lots of goals in store for us. Josh, he's also, this, this shows how serious, well, we all know Antonio Conte is a serious, serious manager, but it shows, you know, Levy would mess around with previous managers. He's not messing around with Antonio Conte at all. It's not worth the risk. No, I think uh, the signs that Antonio Conte gave regularly at the start of his time as Tottenham manager were pretty clear that if he doesn't get what he wants, he's, he'll just leave and he doesn't care about doing that. Um, and I think in the space of six months, Tottenham have gone from 
being extremely overly overly reliant on Harry Kane and Hon Minson. The the drop off in quality there was to like Steven Bergwijn and Lucas Moura, who didn't quite well were nowhere near them to be honest. And now in the space of six months they've got Kuliseski and now they've gone out and got Richarlison, which is just a massive upgrade. And it and it as Ricky said, it's a massive departure from what Tottenham fans are used to going out and spending big money on what will essentially be a rotation op- option to start with at least. Um, if you look at the way Tottenham finished last season, um, the, the front three, Kuliseski, Son and Kane, were absolutely integral to the, to the way they managed to finish in the top four when not a lot of people thought they would have when Conte came in. Uh, I looked into the, the table in terms of most goal contributions this calendar year in the Premier League and Kane is top with 21 goals and assists, Son is second with 20, De Bruyne's third with 17 and Kuliseski's fourth on 13. So, and then you think they've gone out and spent 50 to 60 million pounds on a new player that will complement them or be able to replace them as well. It's, it's it's massive for them. And if you, we'll go on to it later in terms of where we expect them to finish. But if you see that Chelsea have had a tough time this summer, Arsenal have got their deals done as well. But you'd probably say are behind Tottenham in terms of where you'd expect them to finish. And obviously Manchester United have had a dreadful time, as we've already said. Then there's a lot of reason to be optimistic for Tottenham and their supporters. And I think, like, as you said as well, Dan, one of the best things about Richarlison is he's a player that you absolutely hate if you're on the opposition team. Um, but if he plays for you, you're going to absolutely love him. And you can definitely see Conte turning him into a monster. Um, and, and especially in the North London derbies, I can imagine he's definitely going to leave his mark, whether it, if it's a goal or sending off, being the pantomime villain. He, he doesn't care. He doesn't shirk away from any of that hostility, as Liverpool fans and Everton fans know. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting signing to see where he fits in. And it's a massive, particularly around the Champions League game weeks when um, Conte will have to rotate. And now he has great options to do that. Yeah, Josh says it's a lot of money for uh, someone who initially is a rotation option, Ricky. But but like you said, you have to, you have to have strength and depth. And you know, look at Man City, look at Liverpool. How many different options they had in in their front threes like last season? I just think Spurs needed to do something like this. But it is a massive statement of intent. Yeah, I mean, I said it's very unheard of for top to spend this proportion of money on an area of the squad which is already quite significantly quality and have got the depth in it. So, I mean, again. I think it tells you about uh, the nature of where Spurs are trying to go and what they're trying to do under Antonio Conte. It is almost unheard of. They would spend this amount of money in that specific area. But again, I think differently this summer, Conte's made it absolutely clear that for him, he wants his players through the door as early as possible. And, you know, essentially, he wants to work with the players, get them into a routine, get them into his own methodology of pre-season. And I think everyone's excited by the signing. I don't think, how can you not be a guy that is pretty proven used to scoring goals. I think, as I've said, um, I think when he's against you, you really despise him. You hate the fact that the play act in the diving. But I think when he's for you, I think, again, you know, he's going to run for you. I think Everton fans will know that they're gutted to lose him because towards the end of last season, you would say he was probably the catalyst that essentially saw them stay up and he really carried them over the line. So, yeah, Everton fans thought the world of him. I think coming to Tottenham, better players, better surroundings, better ground, better stadium than offence Everton. I think everything is set up for him to really go on and prove what a top player is at Tottenham, plus the fact that he's got his Brazilian uh, teammates there in Emerson Royale, Lucas Moura. Um, he seems already very much at home. Yeah, I mean, he starts a lot of games for Brazil as well, so that shows you mm. the calibre exactly. of player. Yeah. Next signing we're going to look at is Ivan Perisic. Now, this, I think this is a superb signing for Spurs, Ricky, because a lot of the the way Tottenham played under Conte at the at the, well, at the end of last season, the whole time he was there, really, a lot of overloads in the box. Even the wing backs would try and get yeah. on the end of things. You know that probably doesn't suit the likes of Reguilon and, and Emerson Royal, who were who were playing. I think it probably suited Ryan Sessegnon more. 
he's an accomplished finisher, Perisic, with him at left wing back. I'd expect him to be in the goals. Yeah, and I think I say um, last season uh, into what was it, ten goals, nine assists. So a guy very much familiar. We've been able to prove a good strike rate, and again, as I've said with Conte, this kind of signing you wouldn't normally see under another top the manager. Again, for somebody that is over thirty, uh, going for somebody that's got very much little sell-on value, it's far from removed what Tottenham would normally be used to. So again, really good signs that Tottenham are, as we use that phrase, back in the manager giving the manager what he wants. Uh, Perisic comes in with a really good record. He's played all over Europe. He's won trophies. Uh, he's a man that's got very much vast experience as well playing for his country. And I think it's exactly what Tottenham need. When you look at Spurs wing-back-wise at the moment, I think we've all pretty much got some concerns as Spurs fans, um, just how good our current players are to play that system. I think Sessegnon pretty much showed the brightest um, spark out of the four, if we're being brutally honest with you. But again, even still... Um, there's a lot of improvement to be made there. Regular looks like his future is really uncertain at the moment. And then when you look on the other side of things, uh, Matt, Doherty to, Matt Doherty, to be fair, on the right-hand side, pretty much kind of showed towards the second half of the season that he was going to make that spot his own. Byron, obviously, a bit of a bad injury. He picked up against Aston Villa from a really poor challenge from Matty Cash. And then Emerson Royale, um, I think defensively he's looked OK. I think going forward, there's real massive issues there. So... It's whether Conte backs himself as a coach to be able to iron out those issues. But um, overall, Perisic really does come in and improve that area. And you add the fact that he can also play up front, score goals. Really exciting player. Bought for the now, not the future. And yeah, again, delighted to see that one over the line very, very early this summer window. I remember as a Manchester United fan kind of scoffing at the fact that when Jose Mourinho was really desperate to sign Perisic and get rid of um, Anthony Martial at the time it just felt like really classic short-sightedness from Mourinho but he was absolutely spot on and since then I've really grown to appreciate Perisic um, and I think what's, what's good as well is that he comes in and he can make an impact straight away and as Ricky said he is obviously I think he's 33 now but so that means that Ryan Sessegnon will still get plenty of opportunities to play and develop because I was really impressed with the way that he finished last season after what had been a really tough start to life at Tottenham for him. So the fact that Ryan Sessegnon will still get to play a lot of games is obviously a positive as well. Um, but in Perisic, as Ricky said, he's a player that's won it all over Europe. He's a, he's won the Bundesliga multiple times. He's obviously won Syria. He's won the Champions League. He scored in a World Cup final. And it's like, that's the sort of mentality that you need. And it's the sort of mentality that Antonio Conte looks for and absolutely loves. And on top of that, Perisic is obviously a world-class player. He was our left back in the team of the season in Syria. Um, he's one of the top 10 rated left backs, um, full backs or wing backs in Europe's top five leagues last season. You obviously, Trent Alexander-Arnold is obviously top, no surprise there. Then it was Jao Cancelo, Alfonso Davies, Rhys James, Andy Robertson, and then Perisic is in sixth as a 33-year-old, which isn't too bad um, compared to some of those other guys. But and like his, his crossing is superb as well. Like Harry Kane is going to get a lot of delivery from him. Um, and then obviously on, on top of that, Perisic is also really good at attacking the far post as well uh, with, the, with his aerial presence. So terrific signing. Um, I do think that of all the Tottenham signings they've made, of all the signings Tottenham have made this summer, sorry, I think Perisic is actually probably the one that excites me most. I'm really excited to see ha how he fits in and how well he'll do on that left-hand side. And I think it could be a, a, like a game changer for Tottenham in terms of they finished fourth last season. I think third is very much on for them this season. Sticking with the wing-back theme then, you know, it looks like Jed Spence is probably going to join Spurs. You've mentioned Matt Doherty, so then that's Jed Spence and Matt Doherty on one side, Ricky, and then Sessegnon and Perisic on the other. Again, 
just hark back to the the depth and the, the different options to have at the, the Spurs side at, at points in, in my lifetime has, has picked itself. That's no longer the case. How much would you want Jed Spence to come through the door? Because he was an exciting player in the Championship last season. Yeah, it's interesting, Dan, because I'll be honest with you, I think when you look at the wing-backs at the moment, I mean, I, I, I do believe, like uh, Josh said there, I, I think Ryan says, you know, given time and coaching will improve. I am a little bit apprehensive with the right-hand side of things at the moment, purely on the basis that, I mean, yeah, Emerson Royale, as I've already said, for me, I think defensively looked quite solid, but going forward wasn't that great. To touch upon Jed Spence. We, we have absolutely murdered Emerson Royale on this podcast. I've got to say, whenever I've watched him, I've thought, how are you a footballer? Yeah, I, 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 mean, I just don't rate him at all. I think, John, I don't think defensively, I think the problem is he was bought by Nuno to be a fullback. Yeah. And then Conte came in and he obviously wants to play a wing back. So you're asking a guy for a completely different job that he was brought in for. But at the same time, um, I, I look at Jed Spence and whilst he's a young player that obviously comes with a really exciting amount of potential. I think my only concern is that in the times I've watched him, and I'm not going to claim to watch the championship every single week, uh, he does look to me on quite the raw side of things. So you need a lot of coaching. And my only worry is when you're playing top level Premier League games, you can go from Chelsea on a Wednesday to then buying well, sorry, Chelsea on a Sunday to buy Munich on a Wednesday. Um, I think realistically, I worry just about how much of a step up that is in terms of levels for Jed Spence. Um, don't get me wrong, you know, good young player. Um, I'm sure he's got an excellent premium sell-on, which is what Daniel Levy will be looking for as well in the future. But um, I, I am slightly concerned that Ryan side for Tottenham will really be one of the weaker parts of the squad where teams may look to get at us. I think Matt Doherty showed in the second half of the season um, he done well, but can't forget the first half of the season. And I do think for Spurs, it's an area where, if I'm being honest with you, you ask me as an opposition fan, um, and I'm taking my Tottenham hat off, where's the area that I feel Tottenham most weakest? I think even with the signing of Jed Spence, I am a little bit concerned that right-hand side may come across a little bit weak. But again, Jed Spence might come along, hit the ground running and do really well. So I don't want to kind of downplay the signing. Well, they've for a lot with signing 25 times so far this summer, and he hasn't yet obviously shown the white shirt. So, um, listen, excited he comes in. I think the most important thing for me as a fan, and this is in general, that I'm hoping he's a player that Conte wants because ultimately that's the most important thing. When you've got a manager like Antonio Conte, you have to give him the tools he wants in order to get the best out of the group that he's got and it's the players that he wants to work with. So, if he wants Jed Spence, I want Jed Spence and I'll back Conte to bring out the best of him from a coaching perspective. But, um, yeah, on the basis of what I've seen with Jed, he looks like, for me, still needs a bit of work. But we'll back the side if he comes in. Yeah, he just brings that energy. I think which is obviously a massive facet of how Conte plays, Josh. But it reminds me a little bit of when Spurs signed Kyle Walker, a, a touch. You know, and he, he yeah. pretty much hit the, he did, he hit the ground running straight away. If I recall, I might be remembering that wrong. But he was in that, he's in that team, yeah. wasn't he, straight away. Yeah. And he, and he yeah. never really left it until the, until the day he left. But what I would say, Josh, is, is that the, the mix of signings, is what I like about Spurs. You've got a couple of established players that have played in the Premier League, a, a young, exciting talent, an experienced player who's been around the block that's worked under the manager before. They've got Longley coming. Is Longley coming? He's, he's there, isn't he? Long so that's coming. Yeah, Longley's that, come. Yeah, that's, yeah, happen- that, that's happened yeah. as well. But I, I would say that's probably the riskiest signing of, of, of all the signings Spurs have made. But if you look at those players that have come in, Josh, there's, there's a good mix there. And I always think, you know, with transfer strategy, you probably do just need a, a, a bit of everything. Yeah, for sure. I think... The fact that Conte's obviously worked with one guy that he signed already. They've signed 
Basuma, who was who's probably the best midfielder outside of the big six clubs, along with Declan Rice. They've obviously got him, and he'll obviously transform the way um, Tottenham play from midfield. I think he's Hoiberg really struggled probably to start with under Conte. He looks um, a bit panicky when players pressed against him to, to made him to look to play quickly. And I think Basuma is the opposite of that. I think in possession he's superb. He can handle the press amazingly. Um, so that should really help help Tottenham and they've obviously got him in in for less than 30 million which is really cheap considering how good he is um, and then they've obviously signed um, Jed Spence as we just said a person with a lot of potential uh, he in terms of Emerson Royale something that obviously Ricky said he, he didn't do very well was getting forward he looked a bit lost he obviously Tottenham got him in, into good positions and he just wasn't able to capitalize on that and in Jed Spence they've got someone that loves going forward uh, he was he completed the fifth most uh, dribbles in the championship last season loves getting into one-on-one situations to take a man on Arsenal and Leicester found that out in the cup wins for Forest last season um, and then we've also got obviously Richarlison who's a big money signing Brazil international so yeah, as you said it's a perfect mix of experience um, youth and obviously just pure quality as well and I, I do think I agree I agree with Longley I think he is a bit of a concern, but I'm sure we'll go on to talk to him in a, in a little bit. But yeah, it's a, it's been a great window for Tottenham. And Basuma, Ricky, a player that knows that knows the Premier League, like Josh says, he's been one of the best midfielders out, outside the top six in recent years. Used to playing, I don't know, I think Potter and Conte play the same kind of football, but high tempo, I, I would I would say at times. But Basuma ticks ticks the boxes of a midfielder playing in that system. I would say. Yeah, I think, again, for me, he's one of the most exciting ones we've made this summer. I think, like Josh referenced to, I definitely think he's one of, if not the best midfielder outside of the top six. And I think for Spurs to have, yeah, I say acquired his services so early this summer, um, for the price they've got him really is a snip. I know, obviously, I think he had a, a year or 18 months left to go on his Brighton contract, which obviously has enabled Tottenham to get him at a significantly reduced price, which they may have not done uh, had it been a longer-term contract. So... Again, really exciting signing. Uh, one that I think whenever we've seen him up against the top six side, has always played very well. And I know as a Spurs, so whenever we've watched him, he's always had a good game against us. So um, for that reason alone, it's worth signing in. But I mean, again, really good player. Um, has got that really good ability to not only break up play, but also start moves as well. I think that sometimes is kind of forgotten about in terms of his game. That, yeah, whilst he's there, he can obviously intercept and obviously break uh, break games that break teams down. I think he also is the starter of a lot of moves that lead to a lot of goals. And um, I think for Tottenham, that will also be key. Conte, like you said, likes to play at a fast pace, likes to really use the wing-backs and obviously in the midfield to be drive-on and provide the creativity. So, yeah, really, really happy with his signing. And the fact it's coming so early, again, giving the opportunity to work for a pre-season with Conte is absolutely key. You're looking at defence as a defensive midfielder. Over the last two Premier League campaigns, Basuma has made the most tackles in sections combined and Hoiberg second. So to have two of those players is quite nice. So so but from that perspective, you might not think it's a massive upgrade of Hoiberg second. But like I said earlier, I think it's just Basuma's ability on the ball that will set him apart from Hoiberg and really allow Rodrigo Bentinker to get to play a more advanced role, which I think Antonio Conte and the Tottenham staff want. They want him to be a bit more further forward. Uh, to link up with the rest of the, the attackers, as he did at times last season really well. Um, but yeah, brilliant signing. Let's look then at the overall grade for Spurs' transfer window. I'll come to you first, Josh. What would you give Spurs for this transfer window so far? We've given them an A, um, yeah. which I think is absolutely fair. Longley, as I said, is is the one concern for me of those signings, or the, the main concern. 
Um, but we'll talk about him in a sec. But yeah, and I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic for, for Tottenham fans after when you can when you consider last summer when they went through about 400 different managers before they got Nuno, uh, they're in a much better shape coming into this season. I'm going to go A star. I think Spurs have had the best window out of anyone. I don't even think it's, I don't even think it's close. I honestly think their business has been unbelievable. Ricky, what are you going to go for? Yeah, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm slightly a bit more cautious because like I say being a yes, Spurs fan. You don't want to say anything, do you? You don't want yeah, to say anything. I, I, I think when I, I'm not going to lie, guys, I absolutely detest that term about winning the window and those comments because um, I mean, listen, the window's not one on what you've done; it's what it goes on the pitch, right? So ultimately. Uh, you could sign six or seven world-class players, but in terms of how they fit in, um, until they're on the pitch, it's only how you can judge them. But, I mean, listen, if you would say to me, Spurs have got five signs over the line by early July, I wouldn't have believed you. So that's the Conte factor. I think Spurs have made sensible signings, players that have got Premier League proven ability, players that have won trophies, uh, players that have got experience in the dressing rooms that are very, very key. Um, and from what we understand, there's still more business to come. So I think at the moment, listen, oh, give it a B plus. I don't want to get too carried away because I still have it again. There's areas of the squad for me that I still think do need improving. Whilst we've improved uh, significant key areas, I still think for me, I've said this before, and I know obviously Ericsson is now very close to that move to Manchester United. I think I am of the opinion that I know obviously that for Conte, the creativity comes from the wing backs. Um, but at the same time, I still think in those big games where you need, or even the games at home when you're facing the likes of a Brentford at home or, dare I say, an Everton, um, you need to want to break a team down. I look at Spurs' midfield options there, Hoybier, Benton, course, Skip, Basuma. No one really cries out as to being that lock picker, that's someone that can play that eye of the needle ball. And whilst, again, acknowledge that the fact Conte plays with wing-backs and it was all about what the wing-backs do, I still think it's nice to have a change of a system, a different formation, and have somebody on the bench that has got that ability to, like I say, be able to pick a pass in those crucial moments. And that's why, for me, would have loved Ericsson to come back. I'm sure there's a story behind us to why he hasn't come back. But I still think Tottenham need a player of that magnitude on the bench or, you know, someone that can, in the squad, affect those type of games. So, for me, that's probably why I'm going to say B+. Plus. But, again, I can't say that I've... Uh, again, I'm, I'm stunned by Spurs' window so far. But don't want to go too overboard because of the fact that, um, yeah, conscious there's still a lot of a lot of time to play out in the summer and Spurs haven't got the most easiest start of the season either. I guess the, in that system, there wasn't really a natural fit for Ericsson. You wouldn't really see him playing in a in a midfield no, too, I would not, get. No, but he would know that, wouldn't he? I think the thing is, though, again, you know, going to Manchester United, are you going to the game there every week? I mean, possibly maybe you are because I know a lot of fans of Bruno Fernandes are a little bit unsure. I'd, I'd fancy I do, a game at Manchester United at the moment if I was there. Possibly, yeah, I, I do think one thing I will say about United is I do think with Ericsson, a lot of people have underrated his ability for a long time. I think when you see him play for your club, I think you realise, my God, what a player we've got. Oh, I know mean, at Tottenham for us. Um, he, I know obviously towards the end of his career at Spurs or end of his reign at Spurs, there was that argument that yeah, he wasn't playing isn't he, every week. But even in his bad game, he still had moments where he would score goals and you know, assists. So I, I know, again, we don't play that right system. For me, it's about having an alternative approach. We've got five subs this season. So for me, five additional subs. So for me, this season it is about really looking at the fact that, you know, You've got to have players on that bench. If you're making five changes in a game, it doesn't have to be to stay to the same formation. You know, you've got to be able to adjust things. And that's why for me, I would like to see Spurs still going for a creative midfielder. We are still very early. I have to keep reminding myself, we've still got a good couple of months left of the transfer window to go yet. So still a lot of time. Um, I think that would give me a lot of confidence having a player of that ilk 
a Luis Paqueta from Lyon, a good player. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. But so far, can't really complain. Greedy, greedy boy. I mean, you haven't lost anyone either. Conte's stayed, Kane stayed. You're right. Yeah, you're right. But I, but I also think that I also think Daniel. I think that's also about ambition as well. I think um, you're right. You know, it does come across a bit greedy. But I think, but the fact you've got Conte as your manager, you've got one of the best training grounds, one of the best stadiums in the world. You've got Hurricane. You've got Huminson. You've got Christian Romero in, de- in defence. You've got Hugo Lloris in goal. Um, you know, you've got Benson Curry in midfield. You know, you've got Pesuma now to that. I do think there's a certain, not arrogance, but there's a certain now expectation amongst Spurs fans where for so long we've been trying to break into the top four and get back into the Champions League. But I think under Conte, when you look at his record, five out of the last eight, he's won the title. I'm not saying that we as fans expect that, but I think Conte himself will be going into a season with that mentality of going to win. And although that sounds very unlikely, I'm a Spurs fan, so I think realistically to get to 90 points... It's going to be very, very difficult. I'm going to be real about that. I think City, Liverpool at the moment are on a different level to the rest. And that's why I'm very keen to see that come the end of this season coming up, how far Spurs are off those teams. Um, Because I think the interesting thing will be is that does Conte view this as a long-term project or is it a fact that he just kind of views it as going into Tottenham to seeing if he can create the miracle? And that's why I'm really intrigued to see what the season brings. Let's look now at concerns. We'll start with the centre-back situation. So, as we mentioned, Josh Longley has gone to Spurs. Is he the left-sided centre-back that suits Spurs? He is a left-sided centre-back and he does suit the way that Conte wants to play. But I think what he's done there is they have definitely taken a shortcut in getting him. I think they were linked with Bastonio, Vinter and Garvedau. Garvedau, I believe his name is, of Leipzig, who I'm a massive fan of. But for whatever reason, that they, they just weren't available this summer or certainly at this time in the summer. And I think... As we've alluded to many times already, Conte wanted his players in straight away to work with them through the summer. And I think that's why they've taken a shortcut and gone for him. But I mean, it's definitely a a massive risk. His reputation was on the floor at Barcelona. He was our lowest rated centre-back in the league last season. Um, And Barcelona only won two of the seven league games that he started. So Conte is going to have to pick pick him up on the floor. But to be honest with you... You know know who scored do the weaknesses? Have you got his weaknesses in front of you? What what were his weaknesses, Downer? I can get them up while I talk. um, But yeah, but if there's any manager that can get a player to come back from not being very good at it, it's Antonio Conte. I mean, he's done that with Victor Moses um, and he did that with uh, Giaccarini in the national team. Last season as well, he did it with Kuliseski and Benson Kerr. Obviously, not on the same scale. They just... But they weren't in favour at Juventus and they were struggling and he got the best out of them pretty quickly. So you wouldn't back against Conte doing it with Longley. Uh, his weaknesses are discipline and concentration, which is probably a bit bit of a worry. But but yeah, and also I said he obviously he was the lowest rated centre-back last season. And the season before that, he was the only player in Europe's top five leagues to have been sent off, score an own goal, concede a penalty and also make an error that directly led to an opposition goal. So it's not been a great two seasons for him. Um, but... I think what Conte likes from that left side of centre-back is either someone that can step forward with the ball into midfield and break through the lines or someone that can just pass through it. And I think Longley is definitely the former, um, sorry, the latter of that, someone that can pass through it. He was second behind Tony Cruz for passes per 90 in La Liga last season. So if he can get him back in some sort of rhythm and confidence and that it could be a great signing because Tottenham aren't committed to any permanent transfer. So if it goes wrong, it goes wrong and he goes back to Barcelona, that's absolutely fine. And the back three will probably work out quite well for Longley. He's, he isn't very fast, um, but obviously in a back three, you obviously have more defenders that can cover you. So that should work out quite well. But I do agree it is a concern. They have taken a shortcut there. Um, and and he, he has to 
take Ben Davies's place. I don't think many Tottenham fans would have thought Ben Davies would be one of the first names on the team sheet under Antonio Conte. He set, he started or he featured in the second most amount of games, I think, under Conte behind Lloris and Kane. And I don't think many people thought that. And he performed really well. He was pretty solid. Yeah, he was really good. Um, so he's not going to come in straight away, I imagine, because he hasn't had a lot of football in recent times. But it could work out to be a good signing. If it doesn't, that's okay, I guess. But it is still a concern and maybe might hold them back at times this season. Ricky, Josh mentioned it there about the back three. I actually think the opposite. I think if you're playing on the outside of a back three, you sometimes find yourself in positions where you don't want to be out wide. And that would concern me a little bit with Longler. Conte really likes him and has been a fan of him. So, again, whilst we share those concerns, I think the key is that I think it's widely known Spurs' top target this summer from that left side of centre-back role was Bastoni. That's the one they really, really wanted. But the fact that if Tottenham were given an indication from Inter that he was open to be able to let go and the player wanted to join, I think we've seen with Tottenham in the past that going for players that aren't necessarily sold on the move um, has come back to haunt them. And I'm not saying Ndombele and the Celso are in that bracket, but when you've spent on them the best part of over £100 and Bastoni was probably going to be the highest amount of money going towards that player around the £65 million mark, I think you have to make sure the player wants to join you. So I think the key for Glongley is the reason why it's worked well for him is that he needs regular football. It's a World Cup year. Spurs need to get themselves a left-sided centre-back. A player that's got a point to prove. I think i say if he would have uh, heard the stats that Joshua's rating out there as a player, I would be really motivated to want to prove a lot of them wrong. But having said that, an own goal and a red card sounds like it'll fit really well in at Tottenham. So <laughs> all, all joking aside, I think... You have to look at the fact that in his earlier part of his career, uh, he was really highly rated as a player. And I don't think you become a bad player overnight. Players lose confidence very, very fast. So I think under Conte, as Conte has shown since he's come through the door at Tottenham, he's improved 99.99% of the players. And if I'm Longley, then I have got the ultimate belief Conte will do the same for my game too. So I think it's a really exciting signing for Tottenham. Again, a player that comes from Barcelona. Um, I don't think you get him to Barcelona if you're a bad player. So there's a point to prove there and that could really suit Tottenham well. Ricky, is Lloris a concern? Except for when he's playing at Villa Park when he has the absolute yeah. game of his life. But uh, overall, is, is Lloris a little bit of a concern? Because a lot of times I, I watch Spurs and he, he looks a, a little bit shaky distribution-wise when he's put under pressure. I feel like I've seen him pass the ball out for a corner quite a lot of time when Spurs mm. are playing at the back. Is Lloris a concern for Spurs or not? Well, I've just, I've just handed him a new two-year contract uh, midway through the season. I think on Lloris, the reality is that, how can I put this? If his distribution was as good as his shot saving, I don't think he would be at Tottenham. And that's me being real. I think, you know, he'd be up there amongst the, well, for me, he's still one of the best goalkeepers in the world. He's not the best because I think the distribution is what lets him down. I'm actually quite surprised, and a lot of people say this on our show as well, that Conte is maybe decided to stick with Lloris and not look to find a goalkeeper that has got a bit more intuitive ability to be able to play out from the back a bit more because Lloris does tend to go long rather than play out from the back. And I think it's his natural game. But having said that, I think the captain mentality that he brings to that dressing room is very, very important. He's a vocal leader. He's been around that camp for a very, very long time. And he gets on with a lot of the players. A lot of players respect him. He has won the World Cup. You know, he's a vastly experienced player for his country. So if I'll be honest with you, there are parts of his game that are concerning. 
but I wouldn't put him in the bracket as being an overall concern. I think Spurs have got a lot more areas to address before they look at the goalkeeper, if I'm being honest with you at the moment. Maybe I'm just bitter about that guy because he did, he made about 50 saves in, in the first half and it, and it stuck with me and it hurt, hurt my feelings greatly. Josh, I don't know whether this could have been done because I don't know whether it was already tied up with, with West Ham. We should probably ask Julian Laurence because he knows every goalkeeper in the world, it, it seems, when he's been on this podcast. But you know, someone like Ariola, I think, would have, would have been a decent signing for, for Spurs. Maybe not to come in and play straight away, but I feel like he, he would have been someone that would have ticked a lot of boxes. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I think maybe as well that further emphasises why um, Conte was keen to get in a, a left-sided centre-back, someone that's comfortable on the ball. Because, I, I mean, Romero is very comfortable on the ball. Um, but beyond that, you probably haven't got too many others like, like in that sort of calibre of player. And I guess that's why he wants to get a left-sided centre-back in as early as possible, really, so he can try and work on that and improve so Lloris doesn't have to do too much, too many outrageous passes. If he can just shift it over to one of the to at least two of the three centre-backs that can pass the ball. I think maybe that's the direction that they've gone down, um, just to try and, to, to, as a shortcut, really, to that problem. Let's look now at what we think Spurs' best eleven is going to be. We'll assume that Jed Spence is going to go through the door for this, so I will assume that you two will agree with me that the, the goalkeeper, back three and wing-backs is pretty safe picks. You said earlier about Jed Spence, Ricky, concerning you defensively. I was just thinking, well, if he's not in the right place, Romero will just be there, because Romero's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, Romero's been a phenomenal, like, since we came through the door. I mean, we know there's issues with regards to the first international break and being caught up in Argentina. And But, um, yeah, listen, I think, again, Jamie Carragher highlighted it on the show last season, Sky, that uh, he has been definitely the best newcomer to the Premier League, from what I can tell. Um, just been absolutely superb, you know, defensively, just so, so astute, so composed, so assured. I think people also don't realise that towards the second half of last season, uh, he was treading the line very carefully where one more booking would have ruled him out um, of the North London derby. He would have been ruled out of quite significant games for Tottenham. And by the fact that he managed to somehow, um, I still don't know how he managed to avoid a ban, just says anything about being able to defend and knowing the right time where to go for an interception or a tackle or a challenge. So, yeah, really, really pleased with Romero. Um, again, up there, I think Dyer, I have to give Dyer his credit and, and Ben Davies, two players that I thought really weren't going to be good enough to make that step up, uh, have been phenomenal. I think it says it all now that even by the signing of Longley, a lot of people are saying, well, no, I think he comes in and he's an alternative to Ben Davies. He doesn't come straight in. I think that tells you just how good those three were as a central defensive pair. You know, Davies, Dyer, and again, Romero, they felt that Spurs fans would be quite confident if those were the starting three next season. Um, so again, full credit to the manager. Full credit to the players. You know, the players are the ones that have to, you know, really adapt, pull up to another level, and that's exactly what they've done. Central midfield too, Ricky. I'm mean, really interested to hear what what you would say here. What would be the two you would go with? Big game. You've got Arsenal tomorrow. Who are the two you pick in? Yeah, I think you know, bearing in mind what I spent on him, I can't see a way. Presume I won't start no. a lot of the core games, so I would presume presume will be one of those central midfielders. Alongside him, I mean, this is a really interesting battle now because um, I mean, many would assume Benson core, but I think you can't forget, you know, Conte was a massive fan of Oliver Skip before he got injured. And Hoybier is one of those trusted lieutenants in that dressing room. So lots of options there. I think you're asking me to pick my team for tomorrow. We've got Arsenal. I think I would probably go with Benton Core and I would go with Basuma. Uh, but I think there's a nice variation there. I think basuma has got that ability to break up play. And then free Benton Core, or ideally, like I say, either the other option, Benton Core can free Basuma. Um, 
but really interesting to see, yeah, what how we do play on that. Because I think many just assume, oh, it's going to be a straight pick between the two. But he's got four players there that, you know, he's shown, apart from Basuma, obviously wasn't with us at the time. Those other three played for consistent parts of last season. So I'll be very interested to see what Spurs do. Again, it just shows the depth they've got in that area now where Conte wants a squad, not an 11 that can actually compete. And that's the same with the forward line as well now, because again, people just think he's spending 50 million on Richardson. He's going to go straight in. But I think, again, by how good Kulisevsky was from January onwards, the same as Benton Core, and the way Kane and Son were formidable last season, and obviously are now the uh, top highest scorers duo for the Premier League. It's going to be really interesting to see how Conte plays that. Um, I'll just run through the who, the who scored team from back to front quickly. Yeah. We've got Lloris in goal, Romero, Dyer, and we've got Davies as the third centre-back just because Longley basically didn't play enough game. Well, he did play some games last season, but his rating was the lowest, as I said, in La Liga. Um, we've got Jed Spence, assuming that he his transfer goes through, Perisic on the left, and we've actually got Bentinker and Hoiberg as our pairing. Hoiberg, I think, does deserve massive credit for the way that he kicked on under context. Like I said, I did think he was struggling to begin with. Um, so Basuma just misses out, but if I was to pick a team, I would have Basuma in there. I mean, in the front three, there's no Richarlison. Uh, obviously, he he was great for Everton, but it was a tough season for Everton. And Kuliseski, Son and Kane were just outrageous, especially in the second half of last season. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's our, that's our actual 11 and four. Mine doesn't have yeah. Kuliseski in, but I've got to say that, you know, I got him in early in fantasy football last season and he was an absolute godsend for, for my team. I, I just think Richarlison's going to suit Conte down to the ground. Yeah, it's really interesting, Dad. I, I, I mean, even like Joss is there, I still think by how formidable uh, Kulisewski, Kane and Son were, I don't know how you can just break up that trio. Um, I think at one point they had the highest goals to assist ratio in Europe at one point, the three of them. And listen, I'm not downplaying the sign of Richarlison because exactly what Tottenham do need. Um, so I think, again, that just shows you the depth in Tottenham squad, that Richarlison, the guy that you're spending 50 million on, is going to be sitting on the bench. So... Lucky for Tottenham, there's plenty of games to come, but I think I would be sticking with that front three we had from the back in the last season. I mean, they'll start the first game anyway, won't they? I think Richardson suspended for the first game. Yeah, Richardson's got a ban, so you'd imagine, like I say, yeah, it's, uh, they, they would definitely start that front three. So, at least Conte hasn't got a headache for that game, but moving forward, it might be a bit of a headache, but that's exactly what you want as a manager. You want players that are going to push you, they are going to drive you, they are going to make your hard decisions. And because ultimately, the harder squad you've got to pick from, like Pep has the more quality you've got in abundance when I bring off the bench. And you can't down... Uh, I think you can't forget the fact, you know, having now been able to change five players in one match, that's going to change, I think, everything now. I think a lot of the top teams with the top managers will be using that to their absolute significance. You know, this is why I think you're looking at the likes of City, Liverpool, Spurs, you know, United to some degree. They all want to build a squad now that you've got the ability to be able to have players that can come in and out and it's not a fixed eleven. So that's, I think, where the league will be won as well. I think the league will be won in the squads, not just on the starting eleven like like normal. So interesting times, but obviously very excited by the promising start Spurs have made to the summer. But as you guys can tell, don't want to get too overboard because it is Tottenham. And uh, having, what, 30 years experience, guys, doesn't give my age away too much. It can all go wrong very quickly. So enjoy it whilst we can. Let's now all pick one player to watch for the upcoming season for Tottenham Hotspur. Ricky, I'll come to you first. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I am going to say this season, I mean, the thing is with Tottenham, I, 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 you know, I said the one to watch, I look at Romero, who was so good last season, you think, can these players maintain the same level? 
they showed last season. I think if they get him over the line, maybe the one to watch will be Jed Spence. Because, again, I think a lot is surrounded by the player's potential. And he could come in and really hit the ground running under Conte. Because I think, again, we saw what he done with Victor Moses at Chelsea. He has got that ability to almost transform a fullback overnight. And I wonder, like I say, for the player that we've signed him 25 times so far this window and still haven't got him in a white shirt, I think, you know, for all of that, it would be quite remarkable if he does sign and goes on to have an absolute stormer of a season. Obviously, disappointed that he's not there for the club season tour, pre-season tour, that is. Um, but I think he'll be definitely one to watch if Tottenham got him over the line because young player, exciting talent, um, seems to want to play in the Conte, want to play in the Champions League. And, yeah, I think... That'll be my one to watch, purely because I feel like all the rest of the players, they've all had their moments in different parts of last season. I can't really say Harry Kane's one to watch because his goals are incredible. Son, again, the same. Romero, the same. Uh, Benton Cobb was really good last season. Kulisevsky was really good. Larissa's been really good. So I have to think out of the box like, let's go for Jed Spence. That ruins what I was going to do because I was going to say Harry Kane just because I think his first <laughs> half of the season last season was so, so quiet and his standard, they, they did drop until Conte came through, through the door. But Kane is one of my favourite players to watch in football, the way he drops it. The reason I love him is his, his passing range, his, his distribution is unbelievable. Yeah. So I think with a, a full season under Conte, you're going to see him smash the amount of goals that, that he scored last season, Harry Kane. Josh, who have you plumped for? Uh, I've gone big on Perisic already in this show, but I'm actually going to go for Ryan Session as my one to watch, just purely because of the way he managed to turn around his Tottenham career at the end of last season. Um, and as I said, Perisic is 33. He's not going to be able to play every game. He was subbed off in more than 50% of his Serie A games over the last two seasons. And as Ricky said, that five substitute rule will really negate that as being an issue for Tottenham. And with that, Sessegnon will get plenty of games around the Champions League Champions League weeks. And, and he actually created a clear-cut chance more frequently than the likes of Mason Mount, Phil Foden and Bakaya Sacco last season, who obviously everyone raves about, rightly so. But yeah, Ryan Sessegnon, I think, kicked on it in the last season. I'm looking forward to seeing if he can continue that when he does get the opportunity to play. We'll look now at the expectation for the 22-23 season, Ricky. Where will Tottenham finish in the league? OK, I'm going to... Yeah, I mean, again, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic. I would love to sit and say Spurs are going to win the league. Um, but then probably you won't invite me back on the show if I say that, because I might sound absolutely nuts. So I'm going to say, I think, quietly optimistic Spurs will get third. I think when I look at this season, the teams around us, United are in transition, Chelsea in transition with a new owner, really. I know they've got the manager still there. Um, but apart from that, really, uh, I mean, Arsenal, as much as I love, I love their fans, the fact that they're getting carried away by these players that are yet to even found the Premier League. I mean, I think Jesus is a good striker, but they've got a lot more work to do to catch up. I, I would honestly say at the moment, yeah, I think Spurs have got a great chance of third. I think at the moment, Liverpool and Chelsea, I've said, sorry, Liverpool and City, as I've said before, I just think to accumulate those 90 points so consistently. It's a very, very hard thing to do. I just don't think you just do it over the course of one season, um, over the night, over eight or nine months. These two teams have done it consistently week in, week out. The managers have been there for quite a longer time. They've got squads that have been there, done it, won it. So I think really, if I'm being honest with you, I think Fur would be a great achievement for Tottenham when you look at where Spurs were when Conte, before he came in. I think the biggest thing for me is whether Conte's happy with that or whether he wants more. I think Conte wants to win titles. I think, you know, as I said before, five out of his last eight campaigns, he's gone on to win a league. And that's my concern a little bit. I just wonder whether him mentally, that's enough. Is that enough for alongside a domestic cup? I don't know. But I would say quietly, quietly confident a third if Spurs keep the majority of their players fit for the season. Spurs will win something. 
this season. I think that they'll, they'll win a well, cup. I think they have to. Yeah, I, I do think under Conte, I think they're going to keep him. I say long term because if it was long term anymore, and Conte, especially what's long term, he doesn't normally do more than two and a half, three seasons. Uh, again, I think what's key is winning something to get that monkey of Tottenham's back, and for Conte to win at Tottenham's massive as well. A club that I'm not used to winning would be huge. So, yeah, I mean, again, third in a cup would be a really good season for Tottenham. Really good. Yeah, and getting getting closer to Liverpool and Man City, closer than they, they were last season. I think that's achievable. But I'll let you into a little secret. I have had a bet on Spurs to win the league, not because I think they they will win the league, because because of the each way. Mm. I don't think second's impossible for Spurs this season. Is that in replacement Liverpool, in replacement of Liverpool? Possibly. Yeah. Mm. I think it's all to play for, guys. It really is. But I think yeah, really, to be third at the moment is probably being optimistic of a cup, which would be nice. Josh. Uh, I think third as well. I think Tottenham were the third best team uh, in the Premier League when Conte came in in terms of points won. Son and Kane are like, probably the best partnership the Premier League's ever seen. They've kept them. Conte is one of the best coaches in the world. They've kept him. Um, Chelsea have had a tough summer to now. Manchester United have had a dreadful summer to now. Arsenal have had a decent summer to now. But I just think third's there for, there for them. I, I'd be, as a Tottenham fan and as Conte, I'd be pretty disappointed if only if we only got four for four, four, uh, this season that does do us for this week's show but we are going to be back on friday the 15th previewing manchester city thanks ever so much to ricky for joining us really enjoyed speaking to you really enjoyed previewing spurs this season and like i said at the top end of the show if i was a spurs fan i'll be mega mega excited thanks to josh as ever for coming on as well and not looking out the window too much and if you're the guy that keeps clicking up josh looking out looking out the window on the comments on youtube please keep going because it absolutely makes my day every time like i said we'll be back on friday with manchester city and if you didn't watch our liverpool show last week go back and catch up with that only one thing left to say stay safe